0: Go ahead and take your Bibles. Go to... Oh, no, not Luke. That's this morning's message. Unless you all want me to re-preach this morning's message. No, I won't do that. Alright, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. So I got you all worried. I am going to use a verse from another Bible to help prove a point to you tonight from another Bible that is not the King James, and so and it's and it's a good Bible. And so I got y'all nervous. You think Brother Tommy's picked another Bible too? So I'll let y'all worry about that for a little bit, and uh, so it'll help you pay attention during the message. But um, this morning or this evening, I want to. Uh, I guess uh, what I want to talk about tonight is. Elders, bishops, pastors, and deacons. We're going to cover all four of those. This is more of a Bible study type message tonight because, um, you know, we see these terms a lot in the Bible. And in fact, you know, the term pastor is barely in the Bible at all. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, I'm the pastor here of this church. And then when we read in the Bible, we read about elders sometimes. And it's like, okay, well, uh, are we supposed to call pastors elders? Or then we sometimes we see bishops. You, know, you see deacons too in the Bible. And um, most people know that that's not the same as a pastor. So you know, how do we figure out which one's which? Because uh, there's a lot of churches out there that you may have heard of that are like elder-run churches. that are, they, they believe in elder rule and they don't have just one pastor. They have elders. And of course, those churches say that they're the ones that are doing everything biblically. And so we're going to look at all these different titles and what they are and figure out, I guess, you know, one, are we using the right term as pastor? And, you know, is is Brother Tommy the pastor? And if he is, you know, who are elders, bishops, deacons? Because I I believe every one of these are important roles. They're biblical roles. And I believe that uh, as time goes on, we eventually should have uh, all of these positions. Now, I'm not saying we might. Uh, you know, we might not necessarily call them those things. It wouldn't be wrong if we did. Uh, but I do think a lot of these positions we'll see uh, you probably have seen in other churches. And they've probably just been called by other names. But I, when we look at the Bible at all of them, I think it becomes clear what they are. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, "...and He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors... And teachers. Okay, so we see a lot of different things there. And then just quickly, you know, the apostles and prophets, obviously the apostles are all gone. There were 12 of them. Uh, The apostle Paul was the 12th apostle. And then the prophets, those were the people, you know, that wrote the Bible. And some of them, uh, we could probably even include guys like Mark and Luke that were not apostles, but they uh, wrote part of our New Testament we have, and they gave us the Word of God. And then we've got evangelists, An evangelist is somebody that pretty much just, you know, proclaims the word of God, and uh, that uh, especially one too that you know maybe would go to different places where they never heard the gospel. Most uh, evangelists, I believe, the a biblical evangelist today are like we see here in the Bible would be a lot of the missionaries that you know we call them missionaries. Usually, you don't see the term missionary anywhere in the Bible, but I believe that missionaries are. Evangelists—they're going all over the world. They try getting into places where there are no gospel witnesses, there are no churches, and they try to preach the gospel there. And so, uh, I think when we think about evangelists, uh, we probably should be thinking about missionaries. A lot of times, we think about you know people who go from church to church speaking, but um, you know I don't know that that's necessarily the biblical role. Uh, of an evangelist but that's another subject but then we see pastors and this right here is the only verse in the New Testament that mentions pastors that's the only one and then um, and then we have teachers okay so what we're going to look at these different terms in the Bible. we're going to look at different titles that are often associated with pastors and see what they mean you know the meanings behind them and what they are and look up uh Verses about them in the scripture and what they did. And so the first one I want to look at are elders. Okay, so we're going to look at elders. Go to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14 and verse 23. It says, And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. So right here we see these elders were people, they were ordained individuals, people they ordained in the Bible. And then in Acts chapter fifteen verse four it says, and when they came to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. And then First Timothy five one, if you want to try to follow, I'm going to be jumping all over the place, but it says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. And then verse seventeen says, let the elders that rule well. "...be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the Scriptures saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses." Now, there's not a pastor around that would say that an elder in the Bible was not a pastor because one of the main verses we get for paying the pastor... Is about an elder, so a pastor would be shooting himself in the foot to say that an elder was not a pastor in the Bible. But yet, when we look at elders, many times when you see elders mentioned in the Bible, in even in one church, there's more than one. Now, do we believe in more than one pastor in a church? Okay, obviously, you know they always say anything with more than one head's a monster and You know, it wouldn't work out real well. But there are a lot of churches that have taken that, and they'll see all the places where there were multiple elders in the church, and they will say, "See, there was never just one pastor. They had elders, and so uh, you know, we, you can have several pastors in the church, and they all just kind of work together. There's no one that's ahead of them, and we'll see that that's not the way it worked back then. But James chapter five verse fourteen says, "Is any sick among you?" Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if you if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So right there we see you know elders multiple. If you're sick, okay, you call for the elders plural in your church to come and pray over you. Okay, so we see that there can be more than one elder in a church. Titus 1.5 says, For this cause left I thee in Crete that thou should set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. He told me, ordain elders. And then he goes and he gives the qualifications for those elders. We'll read through those real quick. It says, If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God. And we're going to go back to that verse. Okay, Take a mental note of that one. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort... And to convince the gainsayers, so we see uh, some things about elders. One, these were ordained men. They were men that were ordained. And When people were ordained, I mean, they, they laid hands on them. Okay, the the apostles laid hands on them and they ordained elders. And that's something that we've carried on in churches. You know, um, after I became a preacher, one of the things that uh, several pastors they came together. And they had an ordination service for me where they all laid hands on me and they prayed over me and just prayed that uh, you know, God's blessing on me, that God will go with me. And we see them doing that in the Bible, having ordinations for deacons, for elders. We see that kind of thing going on. And an elder, it was an ordained position. It wasn't something you, you don't just say, you know what, I've decided that I want to be a pastor. I want to be an elder. Or I want to be a deacon, and just declare yourself a deacon. We see in the Bible it was something that it was like an authority that was that was transferred. It started with Jesus. He breathed on his apostles and he said, "Receive ye the Holy Ghost." And then later we see the apostles laying hands on men, saying, "Receive ye the Holy Ghost." And just it's a, like a transfer of authority. And I don't believe in people just going out there and being like, you know what? Um, I just, I'm just going to go do my own thing, start my own church. Now You ought to be sent out of another church. That's the way they did it in the Bible. There was always somebody there that would go and ordain men that would transfer that authority. And here Paul told Titus to do that. To, you know, Go into these cities and preach the Gospel and ordain elders in every city so they can continue... The works they were ordained men. We see that they were paid for their labor. Okay, it said right there in 1 Timothy when it mentions them. It, you know, Let them be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Okay? For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. You know, God has ordained that they that preach the gospel Live of the Gospel. That is God's will for elders for them to basically get their living from the church. Okay, That's something that God planned and that's another message. We're not going to go into all those Scriptures, but we see though that elders were included in that and they basically were the group of men that the pastor was chosen from. Okay? Because while there would be elders, multiple elders in a church, there was only one pastor. And the term that was used mostly was bishop, was that term. And notice go back there in Titus, let's go back where we were reading in Titus chapter 1, verse 5, or verse 6, when he gives the qualifications. He told him, he said, ordain elders, and then he said, if any be blameless. Okay, you don't just let anybody. Be an elder. Okay, you don't you don't let just anybody be a pastor. They need to be blameless. They need to be the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot and unruly. Okay, if a guy can't even control his house, don't let him be in charge of the church. Okay, and a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people don't like these requirements. They don't like being the husband of one wife part. Okay, because we have that. Uh, you know, can women be pastors? Well, not according to the Bible, and I know that's offensive, but according to the Bible, they have to be the husband of one wife. And I know this is America, and women can marry women, but they're still not a husband. <laughs> so uh, either either way you look at it, it doesn't work. All right, so uh, we're not even going to go there. But then after he gives some of these things in verse seven, he's talking about the qualifications for an elder. But then he says for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God. Now, why did it throw the bishop in there? Okay? I believe it threw the bishop in there because the one who would end up being the pastor of these churches that were started would be somebody that was picked out of the the group of elders that they had in that church. So they all needed to fit these qualifications because one of them was going to be the pastor in this church and the you know the Word elder or the name elder, it basically means older is one of the things, you know, and um, and the the definition that it has, uh, especially an Israelite Sanhedrist, okay, or uh, you know someone in the Crispin, uh, Christian Presbytery, and it just means you know the eldest or old, okay, so. When you look at an elder, it was usually the older people in the group and the whole idea of it kinda came from something that they had even before the church in the new the New Testament church. You know, they had the Sanhedrin, they had the elders there in Israel. They were kind of the older ones. You know, the oldest ones, the wisest ones, the ones who'd been around, that had had some experience that knew what was going on. You know, it's just a good idea across the board for Younger people to listen to older people. It's just, it's just a good idea. And usually the elders were older people in the church. People that had some experience. That knew some things, okay? But now, does that mean the pastor or the bishop needs to be the oldest person in the church? Okay? Okay. Now, obviously, you know I'm not going to preach that because I'm not the oldest person here in the church. But at the same time, I want to show you though that that is what an elder was. It was it was it was older people, and maybe not even so much in age, but you could even say spiritually. You know, people who had some experience. You can have somebody who's 50, 60, 70 years old that's a spiritual babe in Christ, and have somebody like myself that's you know only 34. And has a little bit of experience, you know, who's grown up in church. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the oldest person. And proof of that is when it gives the requirements for the bishop. It was one who's ruling well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Okay. Well, most of the oldest people that we have here in this church and in most churches, their kids are all grown and gone, are they? Aren't they? So we see that the bishop usually was somebody who was younger, was not necessarily the oldest one, somebody who you know was married and had still had children that were living at home. That's very clear that the bishop who was one of the elders was somebody who had younger kids. So he obviously wasn't the oldest person. So we're not just going to give the job as pastor to whoever the oldest person is in the church. And you know, if you did that, you'd be getting new pastors all the time because... You know the oldest ones probably more likely to go you know, before a lot of the younger ones, but uh, so that's not what it is. But then, so a bishop, okay? What's a bishop? Well, a bishop basically uh, was an overseer. Okay, that's what a bishop is—an overseer. And look at Philippians chapter one and verse one. Says Paul and Timotheus, the servant of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Okay, The bishops and deacons are mentioned there. And then in 2 Timothy 4.22, the Lord Jesus Christ be with Thy Spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. And then you'll notice after that, it says the second epistle unto Timotheus ordained the first bishop of the church of the Ephesians was written from Romans. Paul was bought brought before Nero the second time. So Timothy or Timotheus was the first bishop of the Ephesians. And then Titus 3.15 says something similar. At the end of the verse, it says there in italicized words, it was written to Titus, ordained the first bishop of the church of the Cretans from Nicopolis of Macedonia. So Titus, first bishop. He was the first pastor I guess you could say there on the island of Crete, amongst the Cretans. And so the bishop, he was basically one of the elders that ended up getting picked as the pastor, the one who oversaw the church, the one that kind of, uh, you know, just, yeah, oversaw everything that went on. All of them had different responsibilities, different things they did, but they would have one that was the bishop. That oversaw everything. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 3, this is one of the most well known passages where it gives the qualifications for the bishops and for the deacons. And you'll see it's the same thing he said for the qualifications of an elder. In Titus, this is a true saying if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Okay? If you want to be a bishop, that's a good thing to want. You know, congratulations, you know, good job. It's a good thing that you want to do that, but it's not just for anybody that wants it. Okay? There's requirements. Okay, there's some ladies out there obviously that want it. You know, we love ladies and you know women are special. But if you desire that, you desire a good work, but here's the qualifications. Okay? And I know we live in America, and you know, everything's supposed to be equal rights across the board, no discrimination, but the Bible discriminates sometimes, okay, and it just does, and it's not always a bad thing. But it says a bishop must be blameless, okay. We don't, you don't want to have somebody be the pastor of the church that's being accused of all kinds of different, you know, crimes and things that's you know under uh, you know investigation by the law. And I mean, I've heard some stories of pastors that got in big trouble you know did some horrible things that they got caught for and it turned out that before they had done these horrible things they got caught for they were under investigation for some other really bad things now the question that would always come to my mind when i would hear those stories is how come the church didn't throw them out when they were under investigation for all those things well they don't know that they did it well it does say blameless okay and obviously you know you know, you gotta see if there's some legitimacy to it. You do need to, you know, a church is allowed to judge things themselves. Well, we'll wait for the heathen courts to decide if he's guilty or not guilty. No, if he's being accused of something by the law out there, okay, and even even right here, if you read in the newspaper tomorrow that you know Pastor Tommy McMurtry is under investigation for some horrible crime, you all need to get together as a church and say. Let's do our own trial here. Because uh, we're going to see if this guy should still be our pastor. And if it looks like I'm guilty, y'all have the authority to throw me out. Okay? Because I'm supposed to be blameless. Now, obviously, there's going to be false accusations and stuff. You know, give me a chance, you know, to defend myself. But you need to judge it yourself. Don't let the heathen court system. Sorted out first. You know how long they take to figure these things out. In some of these cases that I know of with pastors that were under investigation, some of this stuff, I mean, went back months and sometimes even years. Why did? Why was? And why didn't the church deal with it right then, right away? It's because a lot of places are taught, you know, this loyalty to the death, no matter what the pastor does. And you know what? The Bible says blameless. All right, so. Uh, if you read something in the newspaper tomorrow about me, don't just throw me out right then. Give me a chance to defend myself. But you all should have your own inquiry, <laughs> and you all should judge the matter yourself. And biblically, you do have the right to do that. And so, uh, y'all remember that. I'm telling you right now. And so, if one of these days it happens, and I'm no, you know, don't play back the sermon and. Make me eat my words, okay? But anyway, uh, the husband of one wife. Now, people like to debate. Well, back in these days, polygamy was a big thing and multiple wives. This just meant one wife at a time. All right? And, okay, first of all, I'll give you, you know, and I, I tell people, I'll give you that. Okay, fine. It means one wife at a time. And, fine. If you've been divorced, you know, remarried, fine. I'll I'll go ahead and I'll give you that one. But what about blameless then? Okay, because that that seems to hurt that one there. And how about one that ruleth well his own house? I mean, you can't even keep your wife stay with you. It doesn't sound like your house is being ruled too well. So uh, fine, I'll give you that one. We'll just we'll we'll give you that one. We'll tell you that that's what it means. But then you disqualify on those other ones. So. And I know that's not popular in a lot of circles, but a lot of the Bible isn't popular in a lot of circles. So we preach the whole thing right around here. But um, husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Okay, I mean we we're not going to spend a lot of time on all these things. But you know, one who can behave himself. Some stories I've heard of people in the ministry. I mean, I've heard unfortunately. Thankfully, I've not experienced these with like people in. I've never gone to a church where this kind of thing has happened. I thank God for that. But I have known some people, known of some churches where people on their staff have been accused and found guilty of some pretty horrible things, things they've done in public. That, and i and they. The thing is, they didn't get fired from their churches after doing these things. I don't get that. I don't understand it. Okay, as a church. You all, as the members, okay? I know some churches, it's like they teach pastors king, you all are subjects, okay? But listen, even if that was true, we're accountable to the scriptures, and if the pastor does not fit these things, y'all have the right to come together and say, I'm sorry, but, you know, you, your uh, behavior is out of control. All right? You're showing up in the police reports all the time. Uh, you've got several uh, court things coming up. You know, you've been found guilty of some of these things. You got to go, and you have, you are allowed to do that. You know, have to teach. There are some preachers that they're real good at telling everybody what to do, but not teaching anybody why. You ought to be able to teach the scriptures. You ought to be able. They ought to be able to study the Bible and figure out what stuff means, figure out what it says, and some just can't do it. And if they can't, they shouldn't be the bishop. You know, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy, a filthy lucre. Okay, if they're just in it for the money, disqualified. Okay, somebody comes here. You know, something ever happens to me or whatever. the Lord moves me away or whatever. And you're looking for the next pastor, and all he's wanting to figure out is, you know, what about the pay? What about the pay? Okay, why are you doing this? Is it about the money? Or is it because you're just wanting to serve the Lord? And if it's for filthy lucre, you're rid of them. Be... But patient. Okay, you got to have a little bit of patience pastoring. Not a brawler. Okay? Not covetous. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Okay, If you are reading... My kids' names in the police reports all the time. Disqualified. Okay, now it's one thing after they grow up and they're out of the house and they're not under my authority anymore. But while they are under my authority, then there ought to be a certain level of behavior that y'all expect. And you know, don't go around. You know, if, if you see my kids, you know, running around making a mess, you know, don't don't go. You know, don't go like, hey, you know, I saw your kid, you know, he asked his mom, you're disqualified, we're firing. Y'all you, you know what I'm talking about, okay? And sometimes, and I, I grew up as a preacher's kid, okay, they're not perfect, all right? This doesn't mean they're perfect, but at the same time, it's okay to expect a certain standard of behavior, okay? But they're still not going to be perfect. And, uh... We've, you know you, you you all know that with our kids but anyway and I, I wasn't perfect either but you know not a novice was being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil and last week we talked about uh, you know kind of the fallen idols thing and a lot of times you know pastors uh, they get real full of themselves they get the big head and it ends up calling them to fall and you, you want somebody that's Experience someone who's been around a little bit that knows what they're doing so that that does not happen to him and then moreover he must have a good report of them which are without lest he fall into a into reproach and the snare of the devil a good report of them which are without okay if everybody outside the church is talking about how horrible the pastor is man you know if you've Meet, run into my neighbors. You know, you tell you tell somebody. Yeah, you meet somebody. Maybe you work with. Yeah, I go to Liberty Baptist Church. Oh, I live next. I live next door to that guy. The pastor's there. Oh, that guy's always cussing me out. You know, he's always doing this. Always blaring his rock music, doing all these things. That's not good. Okay, that's going to make you look bad. It's going to make the whole church look bad. You know, I got to be real careful now where I work because Prince works at the same place now. So if I have a bad testimony with the people I work with, and he tells somebody that he goes to my church, and I just cuss them out the week before, because you know I got mad at him for something, you know Prince can out me easy, you know. So I, I got to really be careful now. So I'm, I'm nervous, but, no, I'm not, but I, uh, sh- I shouldn't have to worry about it. Just behave yourself. And it, it's sad though how many churches. Expect nothing from their pastors, and just let them get away with literally murder. And y'all have a responsibility there—you to hold the pastor accountable according to the Word of God. Okay, you've got Bible right here that's pretty clear stuff to to back it up. And you know, now don't go to other churches. Okay, if you you're reading other people, you know, people in other church, their pastors' kids' names are always in the you know, police reports, or you know, and, and I've heard some of those stories before. You know, people love talking about how horrible the pastors are from other churches and how they're not qualified. Hey, that's none of our business. Okay, if we're not members of that church, uh, it doesn't matter. It's going to make them look bad, but you know what? God will deal with that church, and when He wants to, it has nothing to do with us. So let's not go around condemning other churches and other pastors. Uh, we only need to worry about us right here. Okay, so let's just keep that in mind. So, the bishop—they did—they had to meet certain qualifications. It was the same as the elders. He wasn't necessarily the oldest because he had children in the home, but he was the overseer of the whole church. That's what a bishop is—just kind of an overseer. And you know, and back in the Bible days too. Well, and even today, you know, there are. But in Jerusalem, for example, I mean, that church we know had thousands of people in it. Okay, thousands. One man is not going to be able to do all the counseling, the teaching, the discipling, all the things that go into it. And as this church grows and gets larger, it'll get to the point where I'm not able to keep up with everything. And we will need more elders. We will need more people who meet the qualifications of a pastor. People that can come, you know, and they can preach sermon, you know, they can preach messages. People that can, you know, go and visit other people and teach people the things from the scriptures that can, you know, lead people to Christ and disciple them. People that can go and visit people that are sick and in the hospital and that can pray for people and just be there. I mean, so right now while we're small I can handle these things, but eventually it can get to where you know there's just too many and you need you need elders. You need other people who are like the pastor but the or the, like the bishop, but the bishop is the one that just kind of oversees it. And today we call them assistant pastors, usually associate pastors, things like that. Some churches even call them deacons. Um, you know what a biblical elder would be, they would call a deacon. And if if you get some of these titles a little bit wrong or not exactly like the Bible, I don't think you're a bad church because of that. But I do think it's important that we understand who these people were and i do believe that elders were basically the spiritual leadership in the church but there was a pastor or a bishop that was the overseer of the church and so uh, and so an example of that well and the, the and this is where i'm going to use a scripture from another bible okay to kind of show exactly what the pastor is cuz remember the only verse in the new testament Where we see pastor is that first one he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And if you go to Jeremiah, in Jeremiah you will see the term pastor used several times. And we're not going to look at all of those, but it is very clear what the term pastor means. And a pastor is basically the earthly shepherd of the church. Okay, He's the the earthly shepherd shepherd of a church. Just the very definition of pastor is a shepherd. That's what a pastor is. And to prove that, this is where I'm going to use a verse from another Bible. And before I tell you the reference, I'm going to quote it to you. I actually saw this Bible verse on the back of someone's car the other day. And I was like, I didn't know that. That's interesting. I learned something from their Bible that I didn't totally get from ours, and this is the verse El Señor es mi pastor, nada me faltará. You all know what I'm talking about, don't you? So, that, and it was salmo 23. I don't know how to say 23 in Spanish. And I understood it too. When I read it, I was like, then it's like, you know. El Señor es mi pastor. Oh Lord, oh Lord, you know es mi pastor is my shepherd. Okay, but yeah, shepherd and pastor is shepherd in Spanish because shepherd and pastor are basically the same word. I'm like, I never got that. I I I never caught that. Never understood that. So I knew you all understand it. That's why it's a good Bible. It's you know from the. Reign of Valeria, so you know it. it it's okay for uh, Spanish. It's another Bible we're not going to use it a whole lot because most of you aren't going to get it. But yeah, I, I, I saw that on the back of, a, uh, of somebody's window. But First Peter two twenty five says, "For ye were as sheep going astray, but now are now returned unto the Shepherd and Bishop of your souls." Now who is our Shepherd? Okay, the Lord is our Shepherd. Okay, Jesus Christ. Is our our shepherd? He is the chief shepherd that we see in First Peter. Uh, look at First Peter chapter. Er, that's not the one I wanted. First Peter chapter. Yeah, go to First Peter chapter two. Looks like I didn't put it in my notes. Oh, yeah, here it is. First Peter five. First Peter five it says the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Feed the flock of God. Okay, not, uh, Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd with a capital S, shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. So right here we see that, that term shepherd being used and Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Okay, But He calls us as pastors, He calls us pastors he calls us shepherds so we are you know we are an under shepherd okay we we are not to in any way lead you on our own path we're supposed to lead you in the path of righteousness the path that God has given us we're supposed to lead you according to the bible and any pastor or any shepherd that would lead you contrary to the word of god is taking advantage of god's flock is god's heritage we are not lords over God's heritage, but we are in samples to the flock. And so, a bishop or a shepherd, or what a bishop does, you know, they, they watch over the flock. Just paying attention, they're the one that kind of, They're they're trying to pay attention to the whole the church as a whole. Just like that shepherd does, he watches over that flock. He watches over the sheep. That shepherd he would feed the flock of God, just like Peter said, you know, feed the flock of God. That was one of the things a shepherd do. You know, he'd lead them beside the sheep, beside the still waters. You know, he would he would feed them. He'd make them lie down in green pastures. He'd make sure the sheep had something to eat. And we're supposed to make sure you have something to eat spiritually. Hey, we're the one that you know, the bishop or the shepherd. He's the one you know that every week and during the week tries to give you something spiritually. Tries to feed you spiritually. Tries to show you, hey, this is where you can go. And find nurture. You know, go study this, and we we motivate you to go to the scriptures and and look at what the Bible says. And if you're struggling in an area and you need spiritual help in an area, hopefully we know where you can find it, and we can always lead you to the scripture, always point you to the scripture. The point where sometimes maybe we got to yell and holler a little bit, and maybe sometimes even you know give some aggressive motivation to get you on that right path and to keep you in the flock. And that's what a shepherd does. And that's what we see here. You know, Jesus, He's that shepherd and bishop. And He's called us those things. A pastor and a shepherd are the exact same thing. You know, that shepherd, He's supposed to set the example for the whole church to follow. Okay? You know, we're not lords over God's heritage. But an example to the flock, or an example. Okay, and so um, right there, we see, even though that term pastor is really only used one time in the New Testament, that is what the bishop of the church is—bishop, pastor, shepherd. Um, You know, I don't want y'all to call me bishop. It sounds a little too Catholic. Uh, You know, I don't want you all to call me shepherd. It sounds a little too cultic, I guess. But you know, pastor—that does it. You know, people understand that that they know what it is, and they are—they are kind of the overseer in the church that watch over the flock. And so, and and they—and once again, too, in that passage in Peter, we see elders are mentioned in there because the pastor was one of the elders. In the church, he was the one that was kind of the overseer in the church, the bishop. And there, we never see more than one bishop in a church, but you, you can see multiple elders, and then so then deacons. And real quickly, I don't want to cover deacons. But a deacon, the term basically means here um, to run errands or an attendant, a waiter, uh, a waiter of table or other menial duties. Especially a Christian teacher and pastor, okay? So, or just a minister is what a deacon is. Acts chapter 6, verse 1 says, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom that we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost, and then named several people. So Stephen, we all know Stephen. He was a preacher, wasn't he? He only got to preach one message and then he got stoned to death. But he was a man full of the Holy Ghost and they basically, the church was growing so large, it had gotten so big, there were so many needs of people in the church, the apostles they were become they were getting overwhelmed. And they needed to be able to concentrate on studying the Word of God, concentrating on praying, concentrating on the spiritual things, but along with the ministry. There are you know, physical things that need to be taken care of. There are you know, carnal things, I guess you could say, that need to be taken care of. And so they decided, let us appoint deacons that can take care of these things. that can do this work to do this labor that's there in the church. And, but these deacons also were people that they had to meet some qualifications, didn't they? You know, they were uh, you know, they chose Stephen, a man just full of the Holy Ghost. We well, see they were men who did the menial tasks in the church, and then they were men of certain qualifications. Go to first Timothy chapter three, same place where we see the qualifications for a bishop, in verse eight it says, Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience and let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So right here, we see that deacons... Uh, they had some qualifications too that they were supposed to meet, and notice the one I want you to notice because they're basically the same as the pastor. But notice the one it said, "Let them first be proved." Okay, the Bible also says to on 1 Timothy three ten, or not First Timothy 1 Timothy five in verse twenty one. It says, you know, lay hands suddenly, in verse 22, lay hands suddenly on no man. Neither be partakers of other men's sins, keep thyself pure. We're not supposed to, when it says lay hands suddenly, it's talking about laying hands on them for ordination. We shouldn't just ordain people just like that. The Bible says, let them first be proved. Make sure they're in it for the long haul. Make sure they're people that are faithful; that they're going to stick around, people that can, you can count on, people that you can trust. And these people, they there were men that just did a lot of the work in the church. A lot of deacons, um, of what a biblical deacon is. A lot of times they'd be called maybe an assistant pastor in a church. Okay, somebody maybe that's like the youth director or the uh, bus director or you know Sunday school. You know, these are people that do. A lot of the stuff that is really—it's a ton of work, but you can even say—but it's a huge help in the church. Maybe some of the fun stuff, even. You know, they take kids out on activities and do this and do that with them. You know, just keep get them around other Christians to have fun with them and stuff to do some of those carnal things, and they just serve people that are hardworking that will do the menial tasks. And let me tell you, I don't. You know, I. I'm not a fan of these people that come into churches that they want to be preachers. They want to get behind the pulpit and preach, but they don't want to do anything else. You know, you want these people. They don't want to. You know, they're not going to go soul winning. They're they're not. I mean, they're you know, they're not going to. They're not willing to clean the bathrooms in the church. They're not willing to you know to, to mop a floor. If and if they're not willing to do those things, if they're not willing to mow grass, you know I say forget them. You know, we don't need them. You know, we're not going to have them preach. I just I, I don't have a bit of respect for people like that. And there's a lot of them out there. I mean, some of them, they don't even really study. Okay, They've just heard enough preaching. They've got strong enough opinions. They would do a good job standing up here and yelling at all of you. And I know some people that are good at that. They can get up and man, they can let it rip. But they don't know hardly anything about the Bible. They don't study. They're lazy. They're worthless. And they, they want to get... Ordained as deacons, they want to be positions in the church, and they think that all they have to do is get up and preach every once in a while. Sorry, that's not how it works. Okay, uh, and some of the and yeah, you can go to churches where that's literally all some people doing; they're getting paid full time salaries. And you know what? It's not fair, <laughs> but uh, it's it's not right. It's it's not right either. Okay, and uh, we're not going to get caught up into that. But I believe. You know what can we get from this? Okay, you know, really, I'm trying to show you what the Bible says about all these things. Okay, you know, an elder is basically like a pastor. He's a spiritual leader in the church. I mean, he's somebody who can preach the gospel, somebody who can teach the scriptures. Uh, but the bishop, he is the pastor, the overseer, the shepherd of the church. And then deacons, they are they are just the servants in the church. They're ministers. They they are the workers in the church. And all of those these positions too we see in the Bible they were paid positions, okay? And when our church can get gets to the point where we have you know the ability to do that for people, we should seek out people who are qualified and lay hands on them and ordain them and give them those jobs. And they can they will be a blessing and a help to many people. And I believe everyone whether you feel like God's called you in the ministry or not, if you are of the male gender, you should try to live up to these qualifications. Because what if an opportunity comes? What if God calls you into that? Well, you ought to qualify. Well, you know, I'm going to go ahead and divorce my wife because I'm not planning on being a bishop. Well, what if God has plans for you to be a bishop? All right, so don't do that. Try to qualify for it. You know, who cares if my kids are out of control? I'm not planning on being a deacon. Well, what if God has different plans later? Okay, Go ahead and try to qualify for all these things. And if you're a lady, understand that you play a huge role in this because if you won't submit to your husband and you don't help with the kids and all those things, you can cause him to be disqualified. I mean, if you, I mean, all my wife has to do to ruin me is leave me. <laughs> and I'm now disqualified. And I've heard preachers before, you can't tell me that some Jezebel can go and disqualify a man of God from being a preacher. And you know what? My answer to that is yeah, no Jezebel. Can disqualify a man from being a preacher, but the Word of God can. And the Bible's pretty clear on that. And so, I, you know, we can go ahead and talk about how horrible the woman is, but the Bible says what it says. Sorry, but it's pretty clear. So, but try to meet those. You know, ladies, try to help your husband be that kind of person, even if you don't feel like God's calling him to that. He might. And unfortunately, people who meet these qualifications are becoming so rare. If you do meet those, there's a good chance you're probably God's probably going to call you. Because I think the pickings are pretty slim out there. Because you know the American family is just out of control. But I believe we ought to try to meet these things. And as a church and as church members, you have every right and you have a responsibility to demand these things of me or any elders that come into this church, or deacons that we ordained, we you all have a part in that in making sure that we stick to this and that we hold each other accountable. And so I hope you'll do that. And so with that, let's all go ahead and stand together.